The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the windup of his first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my God. Deep to right field. Way up there. They're going to wave him in. I don't believe it. My, oh, my. And look who's coming up. You have got to be kidding me. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Okay, play ball. Hey, everybody, welcome into Payoff Pitch, Action Network's baseball betting podcast. We are presented by BetMGM, getting set for the LDS round, American League Division Series, National League Division Series, get underway on Tuesday. So we are recording on a Monday night because of the day action on Tuesday. Brendan Glasheen, your host with Action Network senior editor, Colin Whitchurch and Action Network baseball writer Anthony DeBundo, this duo once again joining us. You can find Colin and Anthony over on the Action Network app. You can also find our Payoff Pitch picks by searching these three words, Payoff Pitch Podcast. Very easy. In the Action Network app, everything we discuss from the show logged on the app. We will be coming to you every weekday during this MLB postseason. There are a few exceptions, like Tuesday. We will not join you because the games will be happening and we have all the action taken care of here tonight. So we'll be with you pretty much every weekday throughout the MLB postseason. Tuesday slate, we got Phillies. Slow clap, Phillies for Anthony. There you go. Phillies and Braves. They will start the action at 1 Eastern. Mariners, Astros just after 3.30. Guardians, Yankees, 7.30. And then the Padres and Dodgers in the 9.30 window. So we'll start the show. Uh, We'll get to each series. We're going to talk each series, game one of each series, and how we want to bet those games and uh, a best bet to wrap. But we'll start with a big picture outlook, some futures. for And what the guys are going to do here is this could go any direction. But what we're finding here, Colin, is we're going to start with you. The futures here that we're going to discuss pertain to these series. So give us a future pick uh, from a series of one of these four. Yes, I'm having a hard time coming up with reasons to bet against the Dodgers. So I'm simply not going to do it probably for the rest of the postseason for as long as they go. See the world series odds right now at BetMGM sitting at plus 275. If you want to bet that right now, that's fine. I'm looking for ways to make money in different ways throughout the Dodgers run, because there's more value in doing that than just betting the outright price. And 
waiting until the end of October and hoping it cashes. One of the ways I'm approaching that is this LDS series against the Padres, where the Dodgers are, as you might expect, heavy favorites to advance. One of the things you can do with these LDS is play exact results for the series. So I'm betting the Dodgers to win the LDS series against the Padres three games to one, which is plus 300 at BetMGM right now. I'm going to keep this short and simple. The Dodgers are going to be favored in every single game. The one game where San Diego, I feel like, has a little bit of a shot would be game three. We're kind of mapping out the series, how I expect things to go. I expect the Dodgers to win game one behind Arias. Give more reasoning for that a little later when we get into our game one breakdown. Game two, we expect it to be Clayton Kershaw against you, Darvish, more than likely. Dodgers will be favored there as well. Game three, the Padres will be able to bring back Joe Musgrove on regular rest for game three. Who the Dodgers throw might be a little bit of a question mark. Could be Tyler Anderson. Could be Tony Gonsolin. Regardless, that's the one game I expect San Diego to potentially take there. Dodgers close it out in game four. Dodgers winning that series three to one seems like the most likely outcome. It actually is the most likely outcome according to the odds makers. Three games to one is the lowest odds of any of the potential results in this series. But still at three to one, I think that's amazing value. Better than betting the Dodgers outright to win the series at a significant minus number. So three to one, Dodgers winning the series. It's three, it's three to one for them to win three to one. And that's my best bet for the LDS. Okay, so a sweep to Colin's point, a sweep is plus 375 on BetMGM, and then a Dodgers 3-2 series win, a deciding game five that would be required to take the Dodgers at plus 320. So he, he is, in fact, correct that that is the, the – the, the odds makers are looking at this like, yeah, a, a most likely outcome would be a Dodgers 3-1 series win over the Padres. Anthony, how about you? Which, which series are you looking to here for a future, uh, future bet? Yeah, I think it's a tough round, right, because it's a classic battle of momentum – Right. The teams that just had this weekend wins against the well-rested teams. And I'm sure narratives will develop around, you know, one team will probably pull off the upset and they'll, they'll be the team that had the momentum. Right. Uh, but I think when you look down the rosters and compare these four matchups, I think the most lopsided one because of the pitching situation is Padres Dodgers. And I think the Dodgers have a significant advantage, not just in the series, but in game one. And so I'm choosing there's a series props option. Dodgers to win game one and the series is minus 130. From an interesting point of view, if you're someone who's looking to bet the Padres, you could make a strong case that at nine to one, you can get Padres to lose game one and come back to win the series. The angle on that is that the Padres do have a significant pitching disadvantage in game one with Mike Clevenger, who's been inconsistent. He's had major command issues against this Dodgers lineup. Uh, He's had walk problems and the Dodgers do not chase. That is a big issue. But in games two, three, and four, in theory, and I kind of agree with this, the Dodgers definitely are equals, if not underdogs, in terms of the starting pitching element of this matchup. Yu Darvish has looked excellent the last month. Blake Snell has pitched well against the Dodgers in the past, not just in the World Series, but as a, as a Padre. And Joe Musgrove, who I thought was regressing a little bit down the stretch, just turned in one of the best starts of his career on Sunday night. So I think there's an angle there for maybe the Padres to get in, but then we get back to a game five. And again, the Dodgers have a huge pitching edge because they'll the, the Padres will have to throw a bunch of guys on short rest. Also, the Dodgers have a, a good amount of lefties in this lineup or in their rotation, rather. 
And I think that's a problem for the Padres because their newfound best hitter in baseball, Grant Grisham is a lefty. Soto's number is not good against left-handers. Uh, Profar can switch it, but better from the left side. So you're looking at a lineup that generally will project out better against right-handers. The Dodgers just aren't going to throw that many left, uh, right-handers. They're looking at potentially three left-handers to start this series. And Craig Kimbrell, I'm not sure he's going to be closing. That might be a good thing. Evan Phillips and Alex Vasilla were two of the best pitchers in baseball in September, relief pitchers. So I like the Dodgers. First game and series price parlayed minus 130. I think they roll. Uh, but I do think the Padres have a shot in the middle games. If you're someone who thinks the Padres are going to ride the momentum to take the plus 900 as well. Nice write-up on each of these series, by the way, by the Action Network staff uh, over on the website, also on the app. And one number, we spoke about this in these wildcard series from over the weekend, the the XFIP and the uh, the ERA of the bullpens. And the Dodgers have a significant edge there. They ranked fourth in baseball Padres 12th. So even if, uh, if you get into some fights here, some, some nip and tuck games, the, the trust in outside of Craig Kimbrell, Kimbrell, maybe uh, the, the bullpen of the, of the Dodgers is also very, uh, very, very good in comparison to their division rival. So let's go series by series. Now for these LDSs, we will start with the NLDS series, Phillies Braves, Philly, uh, it's still plus 1,000 to win the World Series. Atlanta, plus 500. So, as you would imagine, Braves are favored in the series at minus 200. Phillies at plus 165. Anthony DeBundo, we will turn to you first, as we did for last week's episode, to break down the Phils. How do you how do you like your team's chances here, and what do you like in game one? So, I'm taking the Phillies in the first five innings, plus a half at uh, even money. And I know going against Max Freed, who's been an excellent left-hander, is a dangerous situation. But the Phillies do project better against left-handed pitching than they do against righties. Uh, they were a top three offense in baseball after the trade deadline against left-handed pitching. They have both both teams have seen the other pitcher plenty this year. Ranger Suarez made five starts against Atlanta. His last two, he allowed one earned run in over 12 innings pitched. Max Freed was also excellent in those starts, got out it a little bit. Uh, he's seen the Phillies four times to a 3.13 ERA. Suarez a little bit worse, but again, I'm not sure that the difference between these two t- pitchers is enough to get me to the half a run in the first five. Where I am concerned about the Phillies in the later innings, Atlanta has much more command in its bullpen. I'm worried about the Phillies' walk problems, and I know it's a great story that Zach Eflin is closing for the Phillies, but for me, he's too much of a contact guy uh, in a ninth inning in a role he's not that comfortable in. So I have major question marks about the Phillies in the series after the sixth inning of every game. I think that's where the Atlanta edge gets pretty significant. And we even saw that when these two teams played in Atlanta on a, it was a Friday night in September, Ranger went, gave up one run in six, eighth inning blow up. Phillies lost seven, two, after taking a two, one lead into the eighth. So I think there are major red flags with the Phillies in the late innings here, but I do think this will be a very competitive series. I think it's the most likely upset of the four. If you're looking for underdogs, but at least in game one, I'm taking Suarez in his playoff debut. Uh, he had an excellent second half of the season, lowered his ERA by a full run, had a struggles with command early in the year, really improved second half. I think Ranger is uh, dangerous in this matchup and underrated a little bit. People are giving all the credit to Wheeler and Nola. Suarez was almost as good as Nola in the second half of the season. Odds reflect that based on the number plus 165 is your, is your shortest number of all the dogs for the series prices. Uh, in this MLB postseason as we get to the LLDS round. Colin, for game one, Phillies Braves, what's your play? Yeah, I'm staying away from the side here. You guys touched on it a little bit, but one of the toughest things about these game ones is that every favorite is a significant favorite. Minus 200, 
minus 225, minus 225, minus 200. All these favorites on the full game money line. A little bit of a counterpoint to some of the stuff Anthony mentioned about Ranger Suarez. He has been improved quite a bit in the second half. Mentioned those two starts against Atlanta down the stretch. I do think he ran into a little bit of good luck in those starts. He walked five and 12 innings combined in those two starts. So the command issues against a patient Braves offense could come back to bite him in a, a much bigger situation. He mentioned five starts against him. He had 12 walks total in those, in those five starts in just 28 innings with 23 strikeouts. So he still doesn't miss a lot of bats against a contact oriented team. Freed in his four starts against Philly, six walks against 25 strikeouts and 23 innings. So these are two lefties who have seen the other team quite a bit. And that, that's another interesting thing about this LDS as a whole. Three of the four matchups are divisional matchups. So a lot of these pitchers have seen these hitters quite a bit. Still, I don't necessarily hate Anthony's bet. I'm just staying away from the side on this one, and I'm aiming at the total. Mentioned Suarez and Freed found quite a bit of success against the other teams. It's kind of a mixed bag from both guys throughout the season. So I'm just going to look at the raw full season data here. Both offenses are in their better split against left-handed pitching. Anthony mentioned the Phillies better against lefties. They're sixth in weighted runs created plus at 115 compared to 102 against righties. The Braves are actually a little bit better against lefties. They're fifth in weighted runs created plus at 118 compared to 108 against right-handed pitching. So I'm on the full game total here. Anthony mentioned bullpen questions in Philly. We've got two offenses, two really good offenses in their better split. So over seven minus 115. That's what I like here. Okay. Yeah. Slight juice on the over. You can get plus money at the under uh, for game one. So moving on to Mariners Astros. Colin said it division matchup. Once again, Mariners odds at plus 1200 to win the world series Astros at plus 350. Astros favored to win the series based on those numbers. As you would imagine, minus 225 Mariners at plus 180 Colin. Mariners are the fun team these days. Everyone loves this team. They're a good story in the playoffs for the first time in forever. Are they a little too hot though, coming into this series? Like where everyone's like, we got it. We got to take the Mariners against the Astros. Well, not according to the price. I do think there's a tiny bit of value on Seattle here. This is the one dog I'm going to take a stab at here. I actually like two bets in this game, but I will make a little bit of a case for the Mariners first five money line at plus one eighty. Logan Gilbert, as we mentioned, a lot of these starting pitchers have seen these teams a lot this season. And Logan Gilbert had quite a bit of success against Houston this year, made four starts and had a 2-5-2 ERA in 25 innings. Kind of was up and down a lot this year with command and whatnot, but he only walked six Houston hitters, struck out 22. Verlander actually made six starts against Seattle this year. And one of the most amazing stats about Verlander against Seattle, is Verlander only allowed 12 homers all year. Six of those came against the Seattle Mariners and four of them came in one single start. So I'm kind of looking at this from two different perspectives. One, Seattle is familiar with Verlander, can hit him. Verlander's expected stats are obviously not quite as good as his likely Cy Young winning ERA is. However, the fact that it was mostly home runs tells me that he was a little bit unlucky against Seattle this year. He still had a 2-3-4 ERA in 42 and a third innings pitch. He still only walked six. He still struck out 43. He just gave up a couple too many home runs, and most of that was just one start. However, given Gilbert's success against Houston this year, given the fact that Verlander might not quite be as good as he was for most of this season, I do like taking a small stab at the Mariners' first five money line at plus 180. 
However, given that Verlander might be due for some positive regression against Seattle as a whole, given those dinger issues and everything I said about Gilbert's as well, my actual favorite bet on this game is the first five under three and a half at minus 115. Even looking at Verlander, the, the game logs, you mentioned the home runs, the fly ball rate is high too in any start against Seattle, home or away. So that's fascinating to watch as well, how he looks. And, but, you know, it's like Verlander is one of those guys to me. Just he, he kicks it to another level when it comes to October. How about you, Anthony? You got a read on this series and, and more so game one? I think from a series perspective, the American League pitching situations are fascinating because they have more options with how they can rearrange their starting pitching with the extra off day built in on Wednesday. So if the Astros want, they could pitch Verlander in game one. Then they could do Javier and Valdez in games two and three. And if they need him, Verlander can pitch on regular rest in game four. I think that Mm -hmm. gives the Astros a little bit of an advantage because they'd be able to bring their two best starters back twice, whereas the Mariners can do that but, you know, you can say Gilbert's their second best starter. I would be hesitant to say that. Um, but I don't know what the like, like the Mariners pitching depth is probably the equalizer here. Their bullpen depth and their pitching depth. But I think it gets neutralized by the extra off day. So part of me says that actually would take away what the biggest strength is for the Mariners over Houston. Houston dominated the season series. I don't see a case for the Mariners winning three. I think they could win two, get this to a game five for sure. But then even then, you're probably going up, I mean, it'd be Luis Castillo, but you're probably going up against Valdez and Javier, who have been as good as any, I mean, arguably better than Castillo. So I think it's hard to make the case for the Mariners to win this series. I just think Houston's pitching depth is just as good as the Mariners. Uh, in game one, I'm passing. I'm going to look for a live under. Love both of these bullpens. I think they're both excellent. I think we could see uh, behind Verlander, maybe like a Lance McCullers couple innings is like a, as like a reliever type. I think that would be a really interesting way of going at this game for the Astros because they don't need all the starting pitching for this series. Uh, I am not a Logan Gilbert fan. His stuff plus is not great. His fastball gets hit hard, but uh, I am staying away from this game. Pre-game. Fair enough. I will say uh, the extra off days may end up helping Seattle more just in the sense that they're probably going to be relying on their bullpen a lot more, especially early in the series, especially if game one goes as odds makers think it will. Gilbert gets out of there early. Verlander goes deep or whatever. Those extra off days with how much Seattle's likely going to rely on that bullpen could work in their favor just for guys like Munoz, et cetera, pitching back-to-back days. They're not going to have to do that quite as much. And Anthony's point, I agree with almost everything he said. You can get Astros to win this series in five at plus 310. And I have actually already bet that. I think that that's, that's worth a stab as well is Astros in five. The interesting thing is that, so they'll play Tuesday and Thursday. They'll have the off day before game one. Then they'll play Friday. They won't play Friday. They'll travel. And then it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So they will play three and three. The bullpens could get stretched there. That's interesting. And that's where I think guys like Urquidy and McCullers, who may not start games, but may relieve games, do help. But also, I mean, the Mariners can counter that with Kirby. And uh, and he had a ton of success in the bullpen in the game against Toronto, getting the saves. So it's a very fascinating series there's much more that the al teams can do with their pitching because of the extra off day that's built in let's go to guardians and yankees the other series in the alds guardians have the longest odds to win the world series at plus 1600 yankees plus 500 yankees minus 225 to take the series and the guardians are at plus 180 there are some small uh there's some tweaking that's potentially going on with both teams based on some injuries you've got the guardians bullpen with Sandlin, who got hurt, so that they're going to add another righty. Savali, it looks like, will get added to the bullpen. They'll even add Cody Morris. 
And then for the Yankees, you've got uh, the potential return of Matt Carpenter. Uh, Aaron Boone said something about uh, DJ LeMahieu and his ability to swing with the, with the toe injury. So some, some tweaking, not just some of the stars of, of the series, but uh, some things to monitor uh, before this series starts tomorrow night at, at 7.30. Colin Garakole on the mound for the Yankees. What do, we, what do we look to as a potential bet for game one? Well, I'm going to attempt to answer the question that everyone's asking <laughs> going into this series, and that is, can Cal Quantrill surpass his father in career postseason innings? Cal Quantrill pitched a third of an inning in a 2020 wild card. Paul Quantrill, uh, some, of, some of the older folks around here, Anthony probably doesn't even know who Paul Quantrill is, uh, had a 14-year career, pitched – 1,250 innings and only had five and a third innings pitched career in the postseason. Both came coincidentally with the Yankees in 2004. So now his son's out here. Can he throw five innings today against the Yankees to pass his dad? I know that's the question literally everyone's asking. We'll find out on Tuesday afternoon. Quantrill is actually uh, an interesting pitcher. He His metrics have screamed regression all year, but at some point you get to a point where a guy just is what he is. He's got a 3-3-8 ERA. Sure, his expected ERA is 4-3-1. His expected FIP is 4-3-9. But his ERA is 3-3-8, and he did it over the course of a full season. Still, I don't think I trust him against this Yankees offense. He could be prone to dingers, especially at Yankee Stadium. He allows fly balls 58% of the time. Average launch angle of 13.8 degrees, I think, if the Yankees get some loft. In the ball, they could be taking the ball out of the park quite a bit. His two primary offerings are the fastball and slider. He also is in a changeup about 11% of the time. The Yankees are fifth offensively against the fastball, second against the slider, and 10th against the changeup. So I think the Yankees are going to have plenty of offensive success here against Quantrill. The question is, which version of Garrett Cole are we going to get? Garrett Cole's bugaboo all year has been the long ball he's been fine otherwise he still misses a ton of bats etc but is he going to allow a lot of home runs I think Cleveland's offense is actually a pretty decent matchup for him they're bottom five in ISO they're bottom five in home runs per fly ball still the Yankees have some bullpen questions I think that while Cleveland doesn't hit a lot of home runs they hit a lot of doubles as strange as that might seem. I think the total is a little bit too low here with Quantrill's struggles. And the fact that the Yankees are probably due to hit a lot of home runs off him and the uncertainty around Cole. I do like over seven here and I will throw out one more. I'm also going to be playing Garrett Cole's strikeout prop, which is set at six and a half right now, extremely juiced to the under, but I'm still on the under. Uh, despite that, he made two starts against Cleveland this year. He had nine strikeouts in his first and six strikeouts in the second. However, that nine strikeout game, while that might lead you pause in betting the under, that happened all the way back in April. Cleveland's lineup back then had Miles Straw leading off. Owen Miller played first base. Oscar Mercado was in right field. And Bobby Bradley and Ernie Clement both got plate appearances in that game. Cleveland's offense, we've talked all season long about how they're the hardest team in baseball to strike out. The current iteration of that lineup is it in its peak form. So Garrett Cole, I don't know what we're going to get out of him entirely on Tuesday night, but I do know that he's not going to strike out as many guys as a lot of Yankees fans would probably like. So I'm going to take Garrett Cole under six and a half strikeouts as well. 
Cal Quantrill made a start against the Yankees in April as well. And just to kind of highlight what you were bringing up, he allowed one home run and he allowed uh, 12 fly balls. So, uh, but that number against anyone else has been, has been consistent as you hammered home um, throughout the course of the season, no matter who the opponent is. That was his lone start against the Yankees too, this season. Anthony, what's the angle for game one? Cole Quantrill, the matchup on the mound. Yeah. You know, I agree that Cole has a home run problem. He gave up two homers per nine in, in September. That's really, really bad. But look at some of the lineups that he faced. Uh, much better teams for power than the lineup that he's going to see on Tuesday night. The Guardians are last in barrels. They're bottom 10 in hard hit rate. They do not hit the ball for power. They are dead last in the league in isolated power. I mean, this lineup is really not good at all. They're the only team in the playoffs that made the playoffs with a below average WRC plus. And so I think Garrett Cole's still striking out a ton of batters. Uh, and yes, the guardians may put some balls in play, but number one in defensive run save this year is the Yankees. Number three is the guardians. Cal Quantrill is a luck box because he gets to play behind this elite Cleveland defense and this elite, uh, you know, positioning defense of the guardians can get away with it. The wind does not look like a problem at Yankee stadium. Tomorrow night, if it were pitching on Thursday where the wind looks like it might be blowing out, I would not be anywhere near the under. But in this situation, I'm going to take the under seven. Both A bullpens are healthy. I have questions about the Yankees' depth in the bullpen, but I'm not too worried about the A bullpen. I also think Cole can go pretty deep, six, seven innings. So I like under seven. Holding my nose through the Quantrill innings, but I think that uh, once you get past Aaron Judge, this Yankees lineup is also a little bit overrated down the, down the board. So I'm taking the under. This will be a little repetitive when we go to Padres Dodgers since we touched on this series off the top for our future bets. Both Anthony and Colin like uh, the Dodgers in some shape or form uh, in the series against the Padres. But Colin, when we look at game one, what are some angles you're looking at? I'm, I'm assuming many of them will favor the L.A. Dodgers. Yeah, I'm looking for as many ways as humanly possible to bet the Dodgers in game one. And there are many ways you can do it and find a lot better value than just betting their straight money line at minus 200 minus 225, whatever it ends up closing at. Mm -hmm. Mike Clevenger is someone that I want to fade under normal circumstances, particularly like fading him against the Dodgers. His command wavered particularly in the second half, and he made three starts against the Dodgers. Those three starts, he allowed five earned runs, five earned runs and four earned runs in totally at a nine, six, nine ERA in 13 innings pitch which is not very nice at all. Julio Urias is going to go for the Dodgers, and he has a low walk rate this season. However, against the Padres this year, he made four starts, and he did have a 1-5-0 ERA, but he also walked 10 in 24 innings and struck out just 18. So I think San Diego's lineup is a little bit of a bad matchup for them. Um, it was actually the lowest strikeout to walk rate for Urias of any team he faced this year more than once was against the Padres. So he's not going to miss a lot of bats. He's going to give up a lot of contact. The Dodgers need to play defense behind him, essentially. And he needs to pound the zone and, and let his defense work behind him uh, to avoid those walks. The Padres also had a top 10 walk rate against left-handed pitching this year. So that is a play on the first five over three and a half at minus 105. I think Urias is susceptible to allow a little bit of runs here. And the Dodgers are just going to hammer Clevenger all day for as long as the Padres leave him in the game for the full game. I'm still all over the 
Dodgers in every way I can. I think they have a huge advantage in the bullpen. I think their offense is a juggernaut that we're going to see unload throughout the playoffs. As I mentioned, there's not a lot of value in their first five money line. There's not a lot of value in their full game money line. So I'm playing their team total over four and a half at plus 115. All the reasons I mentioned about Clevenger, I think that they're going to get to five runs easily. If you want to be a little bit more risk averse, you could play over three and a half at about, I think, the minus 150 range. But I like getting plus money here on over four and a half. I'm also going to play the run line. This is how big of an advantage I think the Dodgers have over the Padres in this particular matchup. Minus one and a half for the full game, you can get plus 105. Minus half a run for the first five, you can get minus 130. As I mentioned, I'm betting the Dodgers every way, shape, and form today. I know playing the run line on a favorite is a little bit of a square play, but hey, call me a square today. Love the Dodgers. Okay. Anthony, what do you what do you got here for game one? Because I, I know like Colin, you like the Dodgers as well for the for the series in terms of a future pick. But what do you like for game one? Yeah, I, I think Colin made a couple good points about Clevenger and Arias. Uh, the two things you have to know about the pitching matchup against the hitting was Colin already mentioned the walks that Arias had against the Padres. I think there's a very clear reason for that. Arias is not a guy that strikes out a ton of batters. He's also not a guy who lives in his own. His zone rate is below league average by about three or four points. Compare that to the fact that he's going up against the Padres lineup, which does not chase. They're bottom three in the league in chase rate. They are extremely patient. So I think that is a bad matchup for Arias, you know, relatively. I mean, Arias top five in the Cy Young for a reason. On the other side, Mike Clevenger. First time he came back, you know, first couple months, zone rate was up, but it's it's gone down in the last two months. So his zone rate has dropped. That concerns me going up against the Dodgers lineup, which, like the Padres, is top three in chase rate. They do not chase. So you have two lineups who are extremely patient. I think they're going to grind this game down. I like the F5 over. I am not laying uh, big prices because I do like the Padres bullpen. I think I actually think it's underrated uh, coming into this series. They're high leverage arms. Hater seems to have figured some things out. Robert Suarez is elite, uh, but definitely if they have to go deep in the bullpen, there could be a problem. And also the, the concern here, and the one thing that could point to Collins' argument, there is no off day. The Padres fall behind knowing they have their better starters lined up for two, three, and four. Do they punt? That's an interesting question. So I think that, that that definitely plays into Collins' favor, but I am taking the F5 over three and a half at minus 105. Okay, do they punt? I mean, can they afford to do that against this well, well, team? Well, it's not like, you know, if you're down a run, you're not punting, but if they go down, you know, I got three you. nothing in the fifth, yeah. you know, you're not seeing the top arms to try to keep this game close. True, true. I see. Yeah, I got you now. Right, right. right. Do they throw more right. hone in there again? If he got rocked, I don't know, but like that's a conversation, you know, that's a decision Melvin's going to have to make because he has a much better chance of winning two, three, and four. As much as both of you are on the Dodgers, I, I am excited for this series. It was one of the series that I looked at in early April. I'm like, oh, we got we got some juice here. We got the, the I wish Tatis were playing. Then I'd love this series. Yeah. I, I will say like, as with Tatis in and the, if the Padres had a chance to like if they had one and two and lined up Musgrove for game one, I could have seen myself, you know, obviously the number would be different, but I could have seen myself making the case for the Padres to win this series. Yeah. Uh, but I, I ultimately think that they're I don't. I wouldn't even lay the minus two ten on the Dodgers either. But I think that the offer, the opportunity to get the minus one thirty for the series and the first game included because of the edge with Arias and the fact that the, Bod- the Padres don't have their best pitchers lined up for a potential game five, is a problem. I will say, uh, as exciting as it was to get three upsets in the wild card round, I think it gave us some slightly less appealing matchups in the division series. Kind of like the NCAA tournament when the fifteen seed wins. Oh, that's well, hurtful. 
No, 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 Philly's no. Let Philly's me let me finish. I was going to say, with the with the exception of your Phillies, I think Phillies Braves is a much more appealing matchup than Cardinals Braves. However, you can't tell me that Blue Jays Astros and Mets Dodgers aren't a lot more appealing just from a pure good baseball perspective, let alone, you know, setting aside rooting interests, just from a pure good baseball standpoint, Blue Jays, Astros, Mets, Dodgers would have been a hell of a lot more appealing. We wouldn't see these lines in the minus 200 range. Mets, Dodgers is more interesting to me. I don't agree on Blue Jays. The Blue Jays clearly showed their pitching had no business their bullpen would have gotten ground down by game three and they don't have enough starters. Yeah. So I would have like, who would have started game one for the blue Jays if they had won that series in three, like uh, Jose Barrios. Yeah. <laughs> so that like, that's Ross the Stripling. thing for me. It been well, Ross he would have had to start game three. That's kind of the thing. Like, he, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say Kikuchi and Jose Barrios are starting game one for the blue Jays. No, thanks. But yeah, no, I, I definitely agree on the Mets. I, I was hoping for that series. Love it. Love it. I know. Revisionist history. It would be great. You know, Mets, get your crap together, please. And uh, Blue Jays, get your crap together in the offseason. Okay, before we go, best bet for the day, Tuesday, October 11th, which again, game ones of all four of these LDS series. Just go out there and try to have fun, you know. You know, having fun is the name of the game. Hey, you trying to make an ass of me? Get on that bag! We will go to Colin first, and then Anthony, please file in when Colin is done. Yeah, of all the bets on my card for Tuesday, my favorite one is that Dodgers team total over four and a half at plus 115. Mike Clevenger has so many warts we can talk about. I think he's just an absolute nightmare matchup against this Dodgers lineup with Mookie Betts, with Freddie Freeman. You go up and down that lineup. There's just so many ways that he can get hurt against this Dodgers offense, and he has already this season. 14 earned runs in just 13 innings pitched against the Dodgers this season, a 9.69 ERA. I don't see any reason we're not going to get more of the same than you get into San Diego's bullpen, whether or not they throw their top arms in game one or whether they save them for games two, three, when they have a lot more appealing pitching matchup is definitely a question mark. So there's a lot of ways to bet the Dodgers today. Stay away from the money line. Stay away from the first five money line where you're going to pay huge juice. Instead, focus on that team total. Dodgers have the best offense in baseball. They do for a reason. They're going to clobber Clevenger on Tuesday night, take a one nothing series lead. I'm going to go first five innings over three and a half in that Dodgers-Padres game, minus 105 at Bet MGM. This is a classic matchup of two of the most patient offenses in all of baseball, the Padres and the Dodgers, both top three in the league in chase rate against two pitchers who have had command issues in these specific matchups in the past and specifically for Mike Clevenger just over the last month or so, his command has dropped off. Maria's 10 walks in his games against the Padres this year. I think both lineups will see a lot of pitches. They will grind these pitchers down. They will be forced to make high stress three, two type full count pitches. And I think there will be runners on base for most of the first five innings. So I like the over three and a half in that don't want to get into these bullpens, but I do think that there will be runs early. Excellent. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thanks to Colin Whitchurch, Anthony DeBundo for their work. As always, these guys will be with us as well as others throughout the course of our payoff pitch episodes during this MLB postseason. Rate, review, subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. We will come to you all again on Wednesday, and it will be a little different from how we've done our last two episodes now that we have 
uh, some staggered scheduling. So Wednesday, there are two games, Philly, Atlanta, and then San Diego and Los Angeles. Thursday, Seattle, Houston, Cleveland, New York. So we got the NL on Wednesday, AL Thursday, some shorter episodes with uh, just two games on each of the days. So we're back Wednesday. We'll have the podcast out first thing, late morning-ish, and we'll be back to our regular recording schedule so that therefore you all can get set for uh, these playoff matchups. So with that being said, for Colin Whitchurch, Anthony DeBundo, Brendan Glasheen, we're back Wednesday, everybody. That'll do it for this episode of Payoff Pitch presented by BetMGM. Don't forget to follow the guys' picks from this podcast and our future podcast by searching Payoff Pitch Podcast in the Action Network app. Best of luck, and we'll catch you all Wednesday. See ya. Hope Bill. Look at his crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave.